Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Linehan, read by the author. Chapter One, Aunt Neve. How come you never told me I had an aunt? That was the first thing I said. I know. My first question should have been, are you all right, Dad? He didn't look all right. The light was awful, but I could see blood on the side of his face. I'm amazed I didn't say, what is that smell? Because it sure stank in there. I'm not talking about a whiffy locker room smell. I'm talking about the kind of stench that makes it so you can see your breakfast a second time around. Or most obviously, I guess, I should have asked, where are we? Or her. Why are we chained to a wall? But instead... The first question I asked when I regained consciousness was about genealogy. Well, Connor, Dad croaked, not even looking at me. The first time you met her, she tried to kill you. She had, too. I was sitting in the living room watching crappy morning television. I was dressed, shaved, and ready to go. You had to be with my father. It wasn't unusual for me to run out of the house two minutes behind him and find that he had left without me. Are you ready? He called from the bedroom, in almost modern Greek. That was a good sign. It was a simple matter to gauge my father's moods. The older the language, the worse his frame of mind. Greek wasn't too bad. I shouted back in the same language, Born ready! I had learned a long time ago that I had to speak in the language of the day, or else he would ignore me completely. He came out of his bedroom in a white shirt with a tie hanging around his neck. Could you do this for me? Sure, I said. Tie-tying was one of the very few things that Pop found impossible to do with just one hand. Most of the time, I didn't think of Dad as having a handicap at all. I know a lot of two-handed men much less dexterous than him. And anyway, I was happy to do him a favor. I was just about to hit him up for a bit of cash so that tonight I could take Sally to a nice restaurant as opposed to the usual crummy pizza joint. What's with the tie? I asked. The dean wants me to smarten up a bit. There's some famous ancient language professor visiting that wants to talk to me about my theories of pronunciation, as if I didn't have anything better to do than to babysit some idiot. That question was a mistake on my part. He said the last sentence in ancient Gaelic. That was the language he used when he was annoyed or really meant business. It was almost as if it was his mother tongue. I'm not talking about Gaelic, the language of the Welsh or the Irish. I'm talking about ancient Gaelic, a language found only on crumbling parchments and in my house. Oh, come on, Pop, I said as chirpily as I could. Maybe this professor is a beautiful she-idiot, and I can finally have a mom. He gave me a dirty look, but not one of his more serious ones, and tucked the bottom of his tie into his shirt. I plonked myself down on the sofa. I could hear Dad humming some prehistoric Celtic ditty as he brushed his teeth in the bathroom. A fight broke out on the television show I was half-heartedly watching. Two women were pulling each other's hair, and the studio audience was chanting the presenter's name. Turn that damn television off, he shouted, or I'll put a crossbow bolt through it. I quickly switched off the TV. Coming from Dad, this was not an idle threat. He owned a crossbow, as well as a quarterstaff, a mace, and all sorts of archaic weaponry. If it was old, he had it. Hell, he even made me practice sword fighting with him every week before he gave me my spending money. This gives you an idea of what life was like with my father. 
the mad, one-handed, ancient language professor Orson O'Neill. People said that he lived in the past, but it was worse than that. It was like he was from the past. It was cool when I was a kid, but now that I was older, I increasingly thought it was weird. Sad, even. The dad embarrassed me from time to time wasn't really the problem. Now that I was starting to get a few whiskers on my chin, what really got me down was that he seemed disappointed in me all the time, and I couldn't figure out why. I was doing well at high school. In a week, I would graduate. Okay, not at the top of my class, but pretty up there. I'd never really been in trouble. My girlfriend didn't have pink hair or studs through her nose or her eyebrows or even her belly button. Dad liked Sally. It seemed as if he wanted me to be something. But he wouldn't or couldn't tell me what. A knock came on the front door that was so loud it made me jump to my feet. Now, weird is what my life is these days. But here is where all the weirdness began. We live in a converted barn outside of town with a regular-sized front door that's cut into two huge barn doors. When my father answers a knock, he always peers through the tiny hatch to check who's out there. I, on the other hand, like to undo the bolts and throw open the two big doors. It shocks visitors and has the added effect of annoying my dad. I don't do that anymore. I dramatically swung open the two doors and found myself face-to-face with two of the biggest sweatiest horses I had ever seen. Riding them was a man in full King Arthur-type armor and a woman in a hooded cloak. With hindsight, I wish I had said something clever like, the stables are around the back, but to be honest, I was too gobsmacked to speak. When the woman pulled back her hood, she took my breath away. She was astonishingly beautiful, with a wild mane of amber hair. She seemed to be about five or ten years older than me, twenty-five, twenty-seven maybe, except something about her made her seem older than that. Is this the home of Oisin? she asked. There's an Olsen here, Olsen O'Neill, I stammered. She considered this for a second and took a step into the room, or I should say her horse did. I had to step back to stop from being trampled. "'Who are you?' I demanded. She looked around the room and her eyes stopped on an oak fighting stick that was mounted on the wall. A look of satisfaction crossed her face. "'I am his sister,' she said. I started to say, "'Yeah, right,' and then two things struck me. One was that she was speaking ancient Gaelic. I was so stunned by the appearance of those two I hadn't noticed it before. The second was her eyes.' She had dad's eyes, and nobody had dark peepers like my father. Dad, I called out, there's a woman out here who says she's your sister. That is when all hell broke loose. Dad came charging out of the bathroom, screaming at the top of his lungs, toothpaste foaming out of his mouth like he was a rabid animal. He grabbed a war axe off the mantle that I always assumed was there just for decoration and hurled it at his sister. She pulled her head back just in time to avoid getting a quick nose job, but her companion was not so lucky. The flat side of the axe hit him square on the shoulder and knocked him from his saddle. The rider desperately tried to stay on his mount. The horse made a horrible sound as he pulled a handful of hair out of its mane, but it was no good. He hit the ground with a crash of metal. And then I had my first real surprise of the day. He disappeared. He just vanished. 
One second, I was watching the Tin Man falling through the air, arms and legs flailing in all directions, and the next second, he was gone. Poof. I'm saying, in the space where he should have been was a pile of rusted metal and a swirl of dust. Dad shouted, Connor, watch out. I looked up, just in time to see a spear leaving my aunt's hand, and it was heading directly at my chest. Then everything seemed to go into slow motion. I remember looking into my aunt's eyes and seeing what almost looked like pain in them. I remember looking to my father and seeing the utter defeat on his face. But what I remember the most was the amazing tingling sensation that I felt all over my body. An amber glow seemed to cloud my vision, and then I noticed it covered me from head to toe, and then encircled the spear, just as it made contact with my chest. The spear hit me. I fell over from the force of it, but it didn't hurt. For a second I thought, that's what it must be like when you receive a mortal wound. No pain. But then I saw the spear lying next to me. I felt my chest, and I was fine. Dad sat me up. Are you okay? He said. I wish I had a picture of my face at that point. I could feel the stupid grin I had pasted on it. A horn blew in the distance. Dad and I looked up in time to see my would-be assassin galloping away from the door. Can you stand up? He asked. I remember answering by saying, That was very strange. I think I was kind of out of it. Connor, we have to get out of here, he said, helping me to my feet. But it was too late. Two more riders, this time in black armor and on black horses, burst into the room. Tables and chairs went flying in all directions. Dad grabbed my hand and we tried to run out the back, but before we could take more than a couple of steps, I saw and heard a black leather whip wrap around my father's neck. I tried to shout, but my voice was strangled by the searing pain of another whip wrapping around my own throat. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover. And you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. The next thing I remember, I was chained to a dungeon wall, talking to my father about the family tree. What's her name? I asked. Neve, Dad said, without looking at me. I was about to ask, why does she want to kill us, when I felt something crawl across my ankles. It was, it was a rat. No, I take that back. It was the mother of all rats. I had seen smaller dogs. I screamed and tried to kick it away. It moved just out of reach and stared at me like it owned the place. It's just what I needed, a super rat with an attitude. Where the hell are we? I yelled. We're in the land, Dad said with a sigh. The land? What land? 
D-Land, Connor. Tirnanog. Tirnanog? What? The place full of pixies and leprechauns. There are no pixies here, but yes. Dad, quit screwing around. What's going on? He turned to me and looked me straight in the eyes. And then, with his I'm-only-going-to-tell-you-this-once voice, he said, Connor, we are in the land. The place the ancient Celts called Tirnanog, the land of eternal youth. I was born here. I began to get angry then. I was in pain. We were definitely in trouble. And Dad was treating me like a kid, making up some cock-and-bull story to keep me happy. I was just about to tell him what I thought of him. But then I thought about the guy who fell off his horse. Did you see that guy disappear? He didn't disappear, Dad said. I could tell he was struggling to make this so I could understand. He just grew old. Quickly. Come again? When someone from the land steps foot in the real world, they instantly become the age that they would be here. That soldier was probably a couple thousand years old. What? He was an immortal. Everyone from the land is an immortal. I stared deep into his eyes, waiting for that twinkle that let me know he was messing with me. When it didn't come, I, I felt my chest tighten. My God, you're not screwing around, are you? He shook his head, a slow no. So what? Like you're an immortal? No, he said, turning away. I gave that up when I came to the real world. I shook my head to clear the cobwebs out of it, which was a mistake. I almost passed out with the pain. When my vision cleared, Dad was staring at me with a look of total sincerity. So, you used to be an immortal? I asked. Yes. At that point, I should have come to the obvious conclusion that this was all just a dream, except for the fact that dreaming wasn't something that I had ever done. Famously, among my friends and classmates at least, I had never had a dream. I had an idea what they were like from TV shows and movies, but it was not something I had ever experienced. People always said, oh, you must dream, you just don't remember it, but I don't think so. When I put my head down, I wake up in the same place, and I don't go anywhere in between. And anyway, I knew that this was real. There was something in the air, other than the stench, that felt more real than anything I had ever known. I was silent for a long while, and then I asked, Do I have any other relatives I should know about? The answer came not from my father, but from a shadowy figure standing in the doorway on the far side of the room. You have an uncle he said. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, 
www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.